0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. The food on this ship isn't fit for animals. That mangy pet of yours would probably taste better. You can either take me home or find a new chef. It's that simple. Oh, something else? I want new quarters.
1: Is that so?
0: For one thing, my room is too small. There are plasma conduits running across the ceiling. It's noisy. It keeps me up all night.
1: Maybe you sleep better in the cargo bay. What did you say to me? This is a starship, not a luxury liner. If you're not satisfied with the accommodations, we can leave you behind in a shuttle pod. Maybe you'll have better luck with whoever picks you up. And if you don't
2: like chef's food, don't eat it. From the looks of things, you should probably skip the dessert table while you're at it.
1: That was a nice touch. (laughs) I can't believe I'm supposed to speak to their ambassador like that. Uh, Tellarites always have a litany of complaints. It's how they start arguments with people they've just met. Even if they have nothing to complain about? In that case, they'll just
0: insult you. Whatever they say, you have to respond in kind. Otherwise, they'll take offense.
1: A species that actually thrives on arguing. They probably make good politicians.
3: Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, May 12th, 2016. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for
4: an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right.
3: Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Well, he's back to gloat and say, I told you so. (laughs) Our guest in studio today is once again the very familiar Salim Mansour, Associate Professor of Political Science at Western University, author of Delectable Lie, A Liberal Repudiation of Multiculturalism, and Vice President of the Council for Muslims Facing Tomorrow. Welcome back again, Salim. Thank you, Bob. I imagine you're feeling uh, a little bit uh, vindicated over some of the the debates you've been having over the last little while in terms of what has developed south of the border in the
5: United States? No, I'm enjoying trail. the brawl. I'm enjoying the politics <laughs> of the big, huge brawl. brawl. you know. And, and this is only the first act that is over. The, the next act is the general election mm-hmm. that is coming down.
3: Before we continue our conversation and get into the brawl ourselves, we want to remind our listeners that they can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, follow us on Twitter... Like us on Facebook, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ at fifty one thirty kilohertz, and on channel two hundred ninety two at sixty seventy kilohertz. And you can also visit us online at
4: triple dot org. And as far as our shortwave listeners go, we do appreciate your um, reception reports and we'd like to thank Dario in Italy. Patrick in Leibniz, Austria, and Vasily in Samara, Russia, for their recent reports of last week's show. Thank you very much. Welcome aboard. Mm -hmm. Now, Salim, you recently attended a meeting of Civitas Canada, and the keynote address was given by Conrad Black. Can you tell us a bit about the meeting, what you came away from, because I understand that he talked about Trump.
5: Uh, That's right. Um, Civitas Canada invited... uh Conrad Black to give the keynote address to the meeting uh, which he did. Most of uh, Black's remark, Lord Black by the way, Lord Black of Cross Harbor uh, remark was devoted to Canadian history and politics but he did say a few things about Trump and he noted that in almost a personal terms because I think he's the only Man in the public square in Canada who knows Trump at a more intimate level of one-on-one, and he's talked about it. And he talked about it that at the meeting when he said that he knows Trump, that Trump has been a friend, and that Trump is one of the smartest businessmen uh, in the world. And there's no second guessing on that subject. And then he indicated that Trump will win, and he will go all the way to being the next president. I mean, you know, uh, of United States. And the reason that he said this was that Trump is the one who has the pulse on America. And he stepped in because he has been witnessing what has happened over the last quarter century to American politics through four administrations, that these are four failed administrations, beginning with George Bush, the senior, Clinton, George Bush the Jr. and the Obama. So that's an unprecedented record. And one of the things he said, I mean, this might interest your listeners, that he pointed out, is that the Great Republic in the, over the past... This year, by the way, 2016, is the 240th anniversary of the Republic. So over the past 233 years the figure of deficit and debt that the republic accumulated, somewhere around about $10 trillion over 233 years, was double in seven, eight years during the administration of George Bush Jr. and Obama. And this is what the American people understand, what has been the catastrophe among all the other issues that are at play.
4: So he he calls Trump a man of the people,
5: does he? A uh, man of the people in the sense he has the right instinct, the right pulse. He understands exactly where the people are. And, you know, as we have been talking about this, You uh, thanks for inviting me back again. Uh, And as Bob mentioned, you know, our conversation can go back all the way. If your memory goes back all the way to last summer, where Mm. I had where I had indicated that you know the man to watch is Trump, you called Uh, it right
3: from the beginning. Exactly, much to the consternation of people around us. And I was wondering how people at the Civitas conference reacted to. Conrad Black's uh, predictions, because I would generally think maybe they didn't like to hear that. Am I
5: incorrect? You, you are. You are very correct. The reaction was very similar and predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was no, 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 but they did not start saying no, 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 in the face of uh, Lord Black. Uh, that happened subsequent to Black's keynote address the mm. next morning because there were panel discussion on Trump. And they were totally berserk, the they entire... There were only just a few of us. Uh, one of them was... is. Uh, one of your guests who has been here, mm-hmm. Chris Christopher Essex. Yes, he was just on the show a few weeks ago. Correct. Uh, a professor of mathematics and, mm-hmm. ap- and physics. Applied mathematics. Applied mathematics <laughs> and physics, you're right. Hi, day. Chris. <laughs> uh, he's, 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 he's one of our colleagues. And it just so happened that he arrived at the, at the conference in Civitas, and I arrived, and I hadn't met Chris for, oh, a few months at least, or the whole entire year. And we started talking and we were on the same page on this issue. So apart from just from a few of us, the general reaction of the people, that is, the Canadian pundits, whether they are in the media, the lawyers, the policymakers, was a rejection of the idea that Trump is any good.
4: It's interesting in some of your correspondence to mutual friends of ours that you've um, basically said that what we're watching in the United States, or this is what I gathered from your writings, is that all of this has played out twenty five hundred years ago, with um, in Athens, Greece, where Pericles, uh, a democrat and a man of the people, uh, as is Trump apparently, um, vied for uh, dominance against an opponent, an aristocratic opponent, uh, Simon, and. If we put Trump as Pericles and uh, somebody like a Cruz or a Hillary Clinton as the aristocratic Simon, is that a fair comparison
5: to say that all this has been done before? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair comparison in the sense that, you know, nothing is being invented. Either you, in politics, and as you said, democratic politics, I mean, ancient Athens, the Athens of uh, Pericles is the cradle of the idea of democracy what does Pericles do? He goes out into the amphitheater and he addresses the people and he rouses them. That's a great speech and possibly one of the greatest speech in Thucydides' book on the Peloponnesian War. And he rallies the people in the struggle against Sparta, which is uh, anti-democratic, authoritarian, militaristic state and it is the eloquence of uh, pericles the eloquence not in terms of literary quality but the pulse of the people where the people are and the people rally exactly the people rally around so this is this is not something new you see you uh, you you go back to history uh, to learn lessons to acquire an understanding of the human nature that is universal you see but each individual is unique churchill was unique you know abraham lincoln is unique everyone every player in every boxer is unique muhammad ali is unique you know there is no boxer going to ever be of the stature of muhammad ali you know there will never be a a chess grandmaster the stature of bobby fisher he's unique there will be other grandmasters so but the game is played out people understand the game And my references to uh, what you are suggesting is that politics, especially American politics, need to be understood in terms of analogy drawn from sports, from games, from theater, Uh, not from reading, you know, what the pollsters have to say, which is retrospective, because all the pollsters are doing is basically adding up numbers. One final point on this idea uh, pollsters, economists, and others, uh, I have pointed out economics is nothing but uh, behavioral psychology dressed up in numbers and equations. Now, who does understand behavioral psychology the best? A businessman. He reads the market. That means he reads the people who make the market.
4: Interesting, yes.
5: Who understand what they want to buy and what they want to sell. It's, it's interesting because everything you're saying
3: about Trump connecting to the people... And yet we keep, it seems that a lot of the media and the people's representatives, you know, in the fourth estate have not clued in yet. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm citing here, I have a, an editorial written by Peter Epp uh, that appeared as the London Free Press editorial on May 5th. And it reads, likability, not a factor in weird U.S. election. And he, and he, and he says, how do you vote for someone you don't like? Americans are about to find out and he cites polls, again, that found 65% of voters view him negatively, uh, while only 24% see him in a positive light. He says such numbers would translate into a political death sentence for most candidates, but in the oddest U.S. presidential election in memory, which tells me he really doesn't get what's going on yet, polling data is par for the course. What's interesting is that in any other presidential race, it would matter, but not this time. So you can see his confusion.
5: And, and it's a general confusion right across the punditocracy. All mm. the pundits, all the talking heads, you know, who are feeding the voracious beast 24 by 7, talking away. And they all basically uh, poo-pooed the idea that Trump can go anywhere. You know, remember in, in last summer, there were 17 men on the stage. That was the first act. 17 men, that is 16 men and one woman. Well, Trump is now the presumptive nominee after the last primary. So what has happened to the sixteen And all the people who were talking about Cruz and Rubio and Ben Carson and so on and so forth, they're all gone. Trump is the thing. Now, if there was any other profession, Bob, that engage in such behavior, it would be called malpractice and there would be suits against them. (laughs) If doctors had patients of this number and they were driving prescriptions where they were totally wrong, or if you were a pilot and you were working for an airline company, and your planes were crashing and dropping out of the sky. You think the you credibility was, <laughs>
3: factor would have been lost some time ago? <laughs> That's
5: right. And yet here these people are—you know, the George Will, the the Charles Krauthammer, the uh, Bill O'Reilly on the on the Fox News and on the CNN News and New York Times—they were all wrong. So wouldn't you imagine that they would go back and try to figure out what happened? What happened is simply they misread the people. They misread the history of the last 20 years that has been played out in front of us. Well, that's something we'll
3: want to revisit when we return from our first break here, by by the end of which we will have heard from the Daily Wire's Andrew Clavin, I guess, as a continuation of the Trump derangement syndrome, and then we can progress from that syndrome to the next stage in the Trump phenomenon. And we'll be back right after this.
1: Before we go on further with this topic, we never really got to the presidential campaign last week, and Donald Trump entered, and I just want to, I, we never really discussed it. And I have to say, I want to ask you two especially, because I hear all over the media, he's just a joke, it's just a, it's just a publicity stunt, don't worry about it, it'll go away it's not going away yeah let me tell you something this is the frankenstein monster that was created with the tea party this is your worst nightmare because he's catapulted to second in the polls and by the way he's pissed about that he thinks he should what? It's
0: I it's don't, two, right? it's I, I don't yeah. think that Donald Hampshire Trump's going to stay net. at the poll, stay at yeah. the top of the polls for do, very long. I, do. I I really don't think so. He
1: makes everybody else look like a midget. Not in a good way. But at, you know what? Like here, here <laughs> here's the thing about Donald Trump. He never apologizes. He's never wrong, no matter what crazy thing he says. He's totally ba- he's the white Kanye. <laughs> and they they are going
0: to lo- for, he, he's, for, he's a, a, was a reality show. For a party that's, that's whose sure. base
1: adores belligerence, this is the guy. I mean, no. last, we'll when he announced we'll the genius, though, I, 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 give, don't, I don't
0: think it'll last, but I think the belligerence point is true, and that, and that people are responding to this thing that they find refreshing about him, where he just says, This guy sucks, and this guy sucks, and he doesn't apologize for it. Are, but I, I think, think people are looking for politicians that will say, you know, they, they clearly are saying something that it looks like they believe. I think the problem that, that Donald Trump is, well, among the many problems that <laughs> Donald Trump is going to have, is that I think he, I mean, he is viewed unfavorably by almost three quarters of people yeah. who are Republicans. Now, that one quarter that thinks favorably of him, they may be that 11% that says they'll vote for
1: well, him his, in a poll. Yeah, but he, his, his, are, his ideas are not as far-fetched as people believe. I mean, Donald, the scary thing about Donald Trump is not his right. views reflect what millions True. upon millions of people in the Republican Party Oddly, Wait, no, well, no, oddly thought. enough,
0: so Donald Trump in recent weeks has started to kind of become this voice of white working class angst around things like trade and The billionaire guy. But that's not right. just for Republicans. I mean, think about this trade victory that we were talking about, how Obama's had this great week around trade. The biggest opposition to what he wanted to do on trade was coming from the left from kind of like the populist left. But, so also, wait, it, this is not just Donald Trump pushing Republican buttons. He's, it's bizarre to me right. that Donald Trump could be the voice of white workers. Well.
1: The reality <laughs> is that Don, but, but Donald Trump is no idiot in this sense. He understands how to work his audience. He understands how to be not wrong, but right. And he, his failure to apologize is the kind of, the, the kind of John Wayne persona that George right. W. Bush had. And that
5: kind of swagger is what so much of those people are looking for.
2: I'm angry, and so I'm voting for Donald Trump. I'm angry about illegal immigration, and so I'm voting for Donald Trump because he said he would build a huge wall to keep out just the sort of undocumented workers he hired to clear the ground for Trump Tower in New York City, and because he said he'd force all the illegals to leave the country and then let them all back in, and he said he'd limit the number of skilled workers that can come here, and then he said he wouldn't do that, and then he secretly told the New York Times he didn't mean any of it, so I don't really know what the hell he's saying, but I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. I'm angry about Islamic terrorism so I am voting for Donald Trump because he said he'd register all Muslim Americans in a database so he could track them and that he'd not only torture terrorists but kill their wives and children and even if that was against the law, he'd order the military to do it and they'd have to because he would be the president and they'd have to do what he said because this is America where the president doesn't have to obey the law and can do whatever he wants and and he'll build up the military without it costing anything and okay, none of that makes any sense but it doesn't matter because I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. I'm angry about political correctness, too. And so I'm voting for Donald Trump because he just comes right out and makes fun of handicapped people and short people and anyone who doesn't have as much money as he does, and women especially. He makes fun of their looks and their periods, and he says they should be treated like shit And I just think that's, I think, actually, that's not exactly politically incorrect. That's more like evil, really. But I'm angry, so I'm voting for him. And and I'm angry about free trade, for some reason, and about people making stuff cheaper overseas so it costs less here and I can afford it. And I'm angry about the Democrats Donald Trump gave money to and all the money we spend on entitlements that he says he'll keep spending. And so I'm voting for Donald Trump because because I'm angry and, and I don't make very good decisions when I'm angry. So maybe I should calm down and vote for someone else who would be like a better president and not such a schmuck. I'm Andrew Clavin for the Daily Wire,
3: and we're back with Salim Mansoor in studio. And we just heard from the Daily Wire, of course, Andrew Clavin. What did you think of that a little uh, hyperbolic? Do you think Salim, or do you think that he, you know, he's reflecting a lot of the negative side of the issue against Trump for sure? All the contradictions, and how does anyone know where Trump stands? And and the principled people can't figure out. Why anyone would support this guy when they don't even know on what side of what issue he stands?
5: You, is, is is that not a problem for, for you, for example? <laughs> no, not for me. And again, I'm, I'm observing this whole phenomena, what I would call the Trump phenomena. And well, as an
3: observer, you can separate yourself from those but issues. But right? that's what
5: you have to do if you want to be an analyst. You know, What you about want the understand people who are involved? The
3: game. What about the people who are actually involved in the fight, in, in, in the two sides? Well, this
5: is exactly the difference between people who are involved in the fight, and they have stake in the fight. That means they have made investment, mm-hmm. And when the investment turns sour then they still want to throw good money after that bad investment. That's called Gresham's Law. That's what I was talking about. Economics is nothing but behavioral psychology. And you can see the whole predictability about this thing, you know. You, you, You have invested in Cruz or you have invested in Rubio and they're going down and you throw more money and you get more angry. But back to Andrew Clavin, he is part of the whole network of quote, unquote, conservative opinion makers uh, writing National Review, The Weekly Standard, on and on. And the amusing thing about this, I'm using my word carefully, amusing. I'm not talking about the paradoxes and irony. The amusing part of it is, and you just heard, Andrew, they are going mad at the very electorate that they need to win, (laughs) They're calling the uh, the voters, the, the mm-hmm. conservative voters, whoever they are—the truck drivers, the farm workers, the hotel uh, people, the taxi drivers. They're calling them. They don't understand. They don't understand conservatism. You know. <laughs> they don't understand principle or whatever the term is—the conservative movement. Well, somebody does understand,
4: and he's winning. <laughs> you you bring this up in your correspondence. Um, you 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 note that. Cruz and the conservative establishment are basically disdainful of, as you say, the hoi polloi. To use another the Greek ploi, term, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a disparaging term of the masses who are retarded in their eyes, right. and nobody's going to win an election with that kind of an attitude because people get the attitude; they f- they feel it that they, oh, look, you're 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 calling me an idiot for yeah. for my my opinion, so people are turning to Trump. I would
5: imagine some people are turning to Trump out of spite of this system. All sorts of things. That's what we say about a market. In a market, there are all sorts of people at play, right? I mean, the guy who is investing his $15 hard-earned into an Apple share, he has some interest, as opposed to somebody who's investing $1,000 or somebody who's investing $50,000. The market is a conglomeration of all sorts of people. And you've got to read the market in terms of where the product is moving and what is happening, you know. But you, you don't abuse the market.
3: See, that's what bothers, I think, a lot of people is that that view assumes... That politics is merely a place for economic marketplace activities and that all the principles are the same and that there isn't something more fundamental at stake. I'm sure the same debates could be happening in any country around the world regardless of its uh, political structure in terms of of being pragmatic, in terms of uh, winning elections, in terms of connecting with the people. As far as you can in those environments, and yet those environments may not be all that good for the people.
5: Okay, fair. Uh, have,
3: I, have I, you know, am I sort of trying to, you know, get, getting the point of the other side?
5: Yeah, the point I'm of the other it? side. If you break it down, is ideology. Well, no, but, but but market, you're, but you're dismissing
3: you're dismissing ideology as if it doesn't mean anything, as if uh, ideology has no consequence, and, and doesn't it? No,
5: ideology do have consequences, but here you come where, where you are looking at the, at, at, at the role of ideology in a certain context. And in American politics, ideology doesn't work because as many historians have pointed out, including myself, that in America, ideology doesn't work because America itself is an ideology. I we had so, that conversation exactly. last time. So, so where? So,
3: but there are still ideas within the ideology of America, and for example, people would say the ideas of Obama are pushing the country towards progressivism and the left and more collectivism, which
5: is hurting the country. Exactly. So the, uh, the ideas of Obama has turned into Obama doctrine. Hmm. So Obama ideology right. and it has to be knocked out. And you either knock it out by saying, you know, you're going to bring in some other doctrine or you're going you knock it out by saying, you know, this doctrine doesn't work because in America no doctrine works because we ourselves are exceptional people, you know. And here i But I'll that give you itself that.
3: is a doctrine, isn't it? Isn't that saying It becomes
5: it becomes subsequently. Give you the idea. Take the case of Cruz. Uh, what was Cruz's entire claim? To his position that he was marshalling and coming out. That he was that a he constitutionalist. Con- constitutional, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but he, cons- as,
4: you, as you point out in your writings, he changed the constitution
5: into an ideology. Exactly, that's what I was coming, here is a constitution, the American constitution, which is about you know, 25 pages that's all, mm-hmm. and articles and sub-articles, but the whole thing is the Constitution as a document is a piece of work of compromises. The founding fathers engage in compromises. There was one side of people who said, you know, the, 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 the issue should be decided on the basis of population, that is, popular representation. But, but, but then
3: again, you're holding the compromise as the ideal, rather than which of the two... I mean, compromise is always going to be the result of an, of, of politics and an election. But w- within that compromise is... Let's, let's face it, right and wrong on, on a given issue. Could be both sides are wrong. Could be both sides are, have a bit of right. No, but, no, no. But, that's but you know what right. I'm saying.
5: No, I, I, but this is where we're going off track. Okay, let The Constitution is a document of compromises, and it sets down the rule. The Constitution doesn't say what the Decalogue says. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not have graven images. The Constitution says that you see the commander-in-chief will be the executive. But it's at the same time says the purse will be with the Congress, the House of Representatives. It says the executive will lead the American army, he's the commander-in-chief, but he will not have the right to declare war. That war will be declared by Congress, the House of Representatives. Congress. The Constitution says that the American president, as the executive, will name the justices to the Supreme Court. So are you, but so he will are, not appoint it. Suggesting... That will be done by the Senate. You see, the, com- the Constitution... So are you,
3: but, but what you seem to be saying then is that just that structure is all we, ha- we need or Americans need to protect them. Precisely. But, but it hasn't Pres- protected them from Pres- Obama, Pres- it hasn't protected them from
5: socialism, it hasn't yeah. protected them from,
3: from the tragic direction the country's taking.
5: And, and that's exactly what, what we're pointing out, that is what is this whole election is all about. For 25 years, the people who were elected, it is like, you know, you give your son, a teenager, and he says, you know, you better take care of this car, I'm giving you my Mercedes or my Ferrari. And the guy drives it down the ditch. And he says, Dad, I couldn't drive the car because the car was not functioning. And I know this is a perfect machine. It, it was not functioning because you didn't know how to drive it. So the congressmen's elected, the, 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 the senators elected, they haven't done their job. And the American people are saying, we've had enough of you guys. We're going to throw you out. Nothing wrong with the Constitution. We're going to throw you out and we're going to get, elect somebody else. And we were going to try him. And if he doesn't work, we're going to try something else. Would. So the Constitution is not a doctrine, it's an ideology. Doc the Constitution is like a Ferrari going to get you from point A to point B.
3: But then who decides where point A and point B is? I mean, the, the people decide
5: it. it. So the Constitution is written in the name of the people. The people ratify it. The people the Constitution says if the people don't like this, they can amend it.
3: But don't we already know that if the people themselves let's let's play it? To, the, to, to what some of the others said, that they are, they are retarded, okay, and they don't know what they're voting for. Um, the, the few who do know what's going on feel victimized tremendously because they realize that the dummies are telling the smart people how to run things, right? Okay, so here's the, so,
5: here the example where the problem is with, say, Cruz and Trump, mm-hmm. or, or, or the debate. Cruz takes the Constitution and makes it an, into an ideology. What is the classic ideology in the world? The Communist Manifesto. Two people sits and write it. That is Karl Marx. He writes the Communist Manifesto, right? And now he is saying, I have the law of history. I understand the law of history. And you guys have to follow it. The Communist Party has to follow it and implement it. So you see, two. The Constitution, on the other hand, is simply a framework. And he doesn't say, he said, you know, you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're a Jew, whatever is your religion, go and do it. That's the First Amendment right. It's an administrative tool. It's a tool for a good life. It is not a doctrine. So, and so where, where these guys come along and they say they're trying to provide a litmus test, you know, on whether you are true to the Constitution. So what you're saying is. yes. hold on, Bob. And what happens is with Karl Marx and his people, they are going to judge the people. In the American Constitution, nobody judges the people. The people can be right, the people can be wrong, because it's the people who decide. We, the people, are sovereign. So they put through the 18th Amendment that calls for prohibition. Then they put through the 20th Amendment that gets rid of uh, prohibition.
4: Would Cruz have been better received if he, instead of making the Constitution an ideology, made the Declaration of Independence an ideology, because that speaks to more fundamental issues of rights than does the Constitution, and even with their Bill of Rights, which can be amended. But the Declaration of Independence basically identified a a reason for forming a country.
5: Well, it is, see, whether it is the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution it is a matter of attitude i've been pointing out conservatism is a matter of attitude look at trump or look at reagan or look at eisenhower they didn't they were not speaking about the constitution you know for reagan it was to make uh, the uh, morning in america
3: well to ask robert's question a different way what should cruz have said instead of going towards the constitution
5: what, like because
3: from what you're saying about cruz it wouldn't matter what he said he wasn't going to win this against Trump
5: No, he case. wasn't going to win it, and none of the 16, now we can see that in retrospect, none of the 16 were equipped to deal with the challenge of this 2016 post-Obama election. You say that they that don't runs, have the skill
4: sets. Pardon? You said in some of your writings that they didn't have the skill sets necessary they didn't have to, the kill skill to play set. the
5: political game. That's right, because as I, I pointed out and others have pointed out, uh, that the thing that Trump did or Trump intuited In fact, that's the correct word. Trump intuitively understood the melee in American society over the last 25 years, and he had his finger on the pulse. And the melee in American society is a built up of the problems going all the way back to the 1960s, you see. And Trump is referring back to the melee and saying, we're going to take back America. We're going to make America great again. Well, All sorts of people can relate to that well, idea. Well, let's
3: take, I think that's where we should break and come back and take a look at how he's going to do that and what the next stage in the Trump phenomenon will be. We'll be back with Salim Mansoor after this. Mud bath.
1: Apparently, the ambassador likes a good soak in the morning. Something I don't understand These Tellerites have warp ships. So why do we have to take them to the conference? Babel's on the far side of Andorian space. They won't allow Tellarite ships to pass through their territory. Now we're in shuttle service. When are we going to get back to exploring? This trade dispute is a little more urgent. It could turn into a shooting war if the conference fails. You people are even uglier than I remember. Captain Jonathan Archer,
2: welcome aboard. Ambassador Graal. I'm told this ship the pride of Starfleet. I find it small and unimpressive.
1: Funny. I was about to say the same thing about you. <laughs>
2: Well, I think the only card she has is the woman's card. She's got nothing else going. And frankly, if Hillary Clinton were a man, I don't think she'd get 5% of the vote. The only thing she's got going is the woman's card. And the beautiful thing is women don't like her. Okay. And look how well I did with women tonight. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank
4: you. You're listening to Just Right. And you can go to our website at justratemedia.org, where you can download all of our episodes, over 450-plus episodes of thoughtful discussion. We're in studio with Salim Mansur, talking about Donald Trump and the American election. Now, we just heard a little clip there of Trump himself, Trump the man, talking about Trump and women. Salim, your comments on... Uh, Donald Trump and his and his respect of women or his disrespect of women. Well, if, if
3: I may make a comment, did you hear what he actually said in there? It sounded contradictory too. He says, on the one hand, that women don't like Hillary Cl- uh, Clinton, yet that's her only card. She has that card, right? So <laughs> even that sounds a little contradictory. But of course, it,
5: it gets the attention. What do you think, Salim? Yeah, uh, he, he's got it right again, I would say. And, and I, I'll pull back to explain why I think he's got it right. First of all, women are not monolithic. I mean, it is an insult to consider that women are monolithic and they, they, they have the same taste, uh, like, you know, shared taste. Or to say that men are monolithic, you know, we, we are not. and And that's where the human impulse comes in. But I'm reminded of what Trump says in another context, um, Geraldine Ferraro. Do you all know? Gerald, remember her? She yes, was a vice president back, yeah. candidate uh, with Walter Mondale, from way back. Way but back, in, <laughs> but in the tw- no, not as
4: far back as Pericles, but still <laughs> <Yeah>. way back. <laughs> way
5: back, yes. She 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 was one of the uh, Democratic uh, House leaders uh, elected from New York uh, as congresswoman, and during the two thousand eight election, she made a remark that was one that caught fire, and immediately, you know, people went after her to take it back. She said she was supporting Hillary Clinton in the 2000 uh, campaign where Obama was uh, contesting Hillary Clinton for the nomination. And Geraldine Ferraro said that the only thing that Obama has got going for him is that he's a black man, otherwise nobody would vote for him. And that's precisely what it is if you reflect back on it. That in the 2008 campaign, all the record that was that came out, you know, Jeremiah Wright, Bill Ayers, you know, uh, KKK America, everything, the media basically airbrushed away because they wanted America, that is the left, liberal left media, and and all the surrogates wanted America to make history to elect the first black president. That's exactly what Trump is saying. That if this woman, this, cam- this candidate, if she was not a woman, she wouldn't get 5% of the vote. You see? So she's trying to make, again, the run simply on her gender. There's no substance to her. There's no meaning to her. She's a catastrophe. But again, the same aura. That we're going to make history. We're going to have the first woman president.
4: As an objective observer of American politics, who would you like to see Donald Trump up against.
5: Now, I think it would be very, very worthy to see her up him up against um, Hillary Clinton for one simple reason. My students, for instance, they're twenty-year-olds. They have no memory of anything other than what has happened in the last few years. Yes. This election will be an education for the American public of the record of the Clinton. Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton uh, role in the past 20 years of what they have done. It will be also an instruction, a education of what has happened and went wrong with America. Look, the the main issue of what has driven this Trump phenomena is, number one, the illegal immigration that has flooded America, you know, which has all sorts of economic costs to it, and neither the Democrats nor the Republicans over the last twenty-five years have dealt with it as the numbers have grown. Okay, then has come the unfunded wars, with no result. Disasters, to, mm-hmm. to, in a sense, you know. So to talk about that, how it this have, and finally, and most importantly, globalization. Globalization that has become a plague for American industry and economy that has basically, you know, de-industrialized America on the basis of ideology. That is, you know, globalization is good, we sell our products, we buy cheap. That is an economic theory that becomes an ideology. And both the Republicans and the Democrats have sold this Bill of Goods to Americans. And the result we can see. Are the... you saying that free trade is not a good policy? Yes, a free trade is a good policy if it is a free trade, and it doesn't become mercantilism. Well, what's happening today
3: is even worse. I mean, under all of the green policies of of both of our governments, Canada and the United States, they're exporting jobs via these carbon taxes. Absolutely. And so... To call that, you know, I guess some people call it globalization, but to me that's, that's almost the reverse of what globalization should be about.
4: Yeah, define globalization yeah. for us in this context, well, it, could be, it could be two what, things. What, what? Define globalization for us in this context, then, if you would.
5: Globalization is open borders in terms of trade and economic policies where comparative advantage of each of the players is maximized to sell goods to each other. So well, so now what that's is the com- ideal globalization, that's, that's not what we have. Precisely. So, so what would you call what we have now? Cronyism. Mercantilism. Because, <laughs> okay, yeah, you need to call it because, mercantilism. Because, because mercantilism is a trade warfare. And what we have is... Using uh, the government uh, uh, as a tool to, to
3: leverage yourself. To leverage yeah.
5: to, to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And so what you have is countries like China, India, Brazil, using their comparative advantage. What is their comparative advantage to the Americans? Their labor. comparative is cheap labor. Yeah. Right, so the american industry moved the product after they had done their innovation now it is you know second generation technology they move it to china they move it to india they move it wherever and they import that stuff and deindustrialize america that's a, 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 a air conditioning company like carrier is not a high tech uh, thing but you know it employs people he goes into indiana he talks about uh, carrier employs 2,500 people, and all the ripple effect of that, that is being shifted to uh, Mexico. So what happens to Indiana? You know, And on and on. He goes into West Virginia, uh, which is a democratic territory, and a democratic governor, uh, has voted de- uh, democratic for years and years and years. But it is a coal industry. Coal is the economy. And what does Hillary Clinton says? She says that she is going to drive the coal industry off that there will be not a single coal worker why because this is about climate change right Mm -hmm. so where what does what does uh, 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 trump does he goes in there and he says we are going to get coal back you will be proud to work as a coal miner
4: trump can't be good for canada in the respect of trade because he's a protectionist isn't he
5: trump has not talked about and conrad black pointed this out too trump has not talked about canada because we are not We are not dumping on the United States. No, but
4: he is a protectionist, and I I can see that... No, he's not
5: a protectionist. He's a a businessman. He is an America first. He is going to defend America's interests just as it is obligatory for Canadians to defend Canada's interests, for Chinese to defend Chinese interests. But the danger of that is is to do
3: the very thing that we're afraid of, is becoming that mercantilistic... Um, mentality because some people view that as, you know, Americans view that as America first, Canadians view that as a Canada first, and then you get the trade wars and everyone suffers, which was one of the most terrible lessons we've learned from history that we should never go down that path again. And I think that's what's largely at the root of both the confusion and the fear that's, that each side has on this issue. I,
5: well, let's go back to Reagan. I mean, uh, in the 1980s, uh, coming out of that terrible Carter uh, recession and stagflation in the economy. Yeah, stagflation means stagflation? That's right. Like, yeah. un- unemployment and inflation, when you add it up, mm-hmm. it was in the 20%. Uh, what did Reagan do? He said that if the Japanese want to sell cars in America, they have to find ways to meet the needs of the American workers what happened the japanese started building plants in america that's why we have plant in woodstock you know mm-hmm. which became part of again the auto pact with the united states remember that goes back to pearson era then some people
3: so, would argue that's opposed to free trade why can't someone no, no, foreign country well, just I mean, build uh, them again, and
5: Again, uh, uh, you, you give it to a lawyer or give it to an economist they will argue the case on behalf of their client understood and that's what it is. But you step back and you look at it, the Japanese car makers Honda,
3: Nissan. But who's the client? In politics. They, they isn't, it, not, isn't it the average guy who's not in business, who's not in a particular industry? Uh, there's, a, isn't there, a, what we call the general interest? You know that has to be protected as a priority over all the rest. I, I think is, you know, I'm, I know I'm being the devil's advocate here. No, but, but that seems the, to be the concern of people. Concerned which direction the U.S. is headed in under either of the their prospective leaders right now,
5: but but, but the, the but United States participated with the world. They go back. I, I just went, went back, back to mm-hmm. Reagan year. You can well, you, you can go back to, back to the Eisenhower year. I mean, America refloated the European economy, the European recovery program, the Marshall program. You know, mm-hmm. so did these were these were done. done to help create the market. I mean, Europe was destroyed European market was rebuilt so now the question is now you have, you have been rebuilt let's have free trade but free trade also means fair trade that's exactly I'm going back to the precedence see again we are, I'm not going back to doctrines and ideology I'm going back to precedent what did the Honda makers and the Nissan makers and the Toyota maker the world's biggest car company Toyota maker what did they do? they said okay if this is going to be America's policy, we are going to build plants in America. And they started building plants in America. We, Canadians, became a beneficiary because we have auto pack with the United States. And therefore, they took advantage of our lower rates and our dollar. And they made, put plants over here because then under the auto-pack agreement, uh, Woodstock... Well, that
3: was an investment they might have made irrespective of any political
5: mandate to make that investment. But politics is... The, again, back to Aristotle. You went back mm-hmm. to Pericles. Politics is the queen of all discipline because it is surveying all discipline. You cannot separate politics from economics. You cannot separate politics from military affairs. You cannot separate politics from you know domestic affairs. So politics is the decision making. There are there are tributaries, if I might say so, that is flowing into that decision making process. Mm-hmm. One set of decision-making is ideological. The classic case of ideological decision-making was Soviet Union, and it no longer exists. The other is decision-making, which is pragmatism, which is America. America is a pragmatic country. So where Cruz went wrong, and all of these folks went wrong, is trying to make the American system into a doctrine. Whereas from the get-go, that is from the founding fathers, the American system plays on compromises. What was the greatest compromise? We the people that, what is the Declaration of Independence says? You know, that, come on, run it by me. The creator endowed with the liberty, of, uh, pursuit of happiness, etc., etc. Yes. You know, we we are all human beings, and yet, who were the founding fathers? They were slave owners.
3: Well, in context of, of history, they weren't in favor of, of, of no, no, slave uh, owners. But, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I understand that the built-in... Again, the, the, the idea be preceded, yeah. preceded the end of slavery. We've got to take a break now. When we come back, how is Trump going to pull America together? And more than that, how is he going to unite his party? Uh, I have another phrase to add to your uh, Trump derangement syndrome, which I'll mention upon our return. We'll be back.
1: Warm enough? The ambassador requested the temperature be increased. Again? Yeah, I like these people more than I thought I would. They don't hold anything back. It's refreshing. Speak in your mind for a change. You don't feel free to speak your mind with the rest of us? Now you know what I mean. No. Maybe you'd like to explain it to me. Why don't you change your uniform before you stink up the place? When in Rome... I beg your pardon? Forget it.
2: Long ago, a storm was heading toward the city of Quinlat. The people sought protection within the walls, all except one man who remained outside. I went to him and asked what he was doing. I am not afraid, he said. I will not hide my face behind stone and water. I will stand before the wind and make it respect me. I honored his choice and went inside. The next day, the storm came, and the man was killed. The wind does not respect a fool. Do not stand before the wind, Garan.
3: And we're back with Salim Mansour. And it seems now, Salim, that it's pretty well an open and shut case that it will be Donald Trump. The conversation is beginning to change, as we see in the headline here. Uh, Trump must unite his party. It's no, ma- no longer uh, Trump's this and Trump's that. You can see the tone of the whole conversation changing. And I think that the public is now going to be faced with a new syndrome. If I may suggest a name for the new stage coming up, it's not really a syndrome, but I would call it the Trump rearrangement conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> if, a good one. I, if I may borrow from your own. Yeah. Because now people have to watch as Trump redefines himself and starts playing a different role and everybody's trying to now fit him back into, you know, different pegs and holes and things. Um, Where do you see this
5: going? We see this going to uh, Trump's nomination in Cleveland in July and beyond that to Trump's presidency uh... in in november uh... the party will fall in, in in line uh... the people who are reluctant and who are hesitant or uh, who are angry who are frustrated uh... they have their decisions to make but the leadership of the party or most of the leadership will fall in line uh... they will negotiate their position they will negotiate their deal uh... trump is meeting with the speaker of the house uh, paul ryan i believe next week sometime this is all part of the deal making, you know. Trump is a businessman, so this is deal making. Trump will have his team of advisors and his his people. Uh, you can already see his team coming into some sort of a initial uh, formation: Newt Gingrich, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Chris Christie. He has appointed or he has nominated Ben Carson, who was his rival as the man to be part of the selection committee to or to head the selection committee for his VP. So, you know, he has his team, and these people will go in, and they will sit down, and they will talk it over. Uh, the, the public noise is the noise of bargaining. The critical thing is what happens in private. No, so they're, people they're are taking office. position, and then in private they will go in, and they will cut the deal.
4: You're suggesting that Trump... Is more a man of the people than
5: Hillary is a man of the people. Yes, that's, isn't that a paradox? Because here it is uh, a business tycoon, a multi billionaire who connected with the truck drivers, with the cabbies, with the blue collar worker, with the coal miners in West Virginia, with the prairie farmers. Who's Hillary connecting with? With. Her crowd of the Black Lives Matter, you know... Or well, the
4: racists and the sexists. Uh, yeah, that's right.
5: So uh, well, she quite has, a lot of them down there. Though. She had the core <laughs> group. She had the core group among the Democrats uh, who, who live off the welfare state, you know, who live off the uh, handouts, the, the teachers' union, which is the biggest mm-hmm. union in America. Uh, and so she she is connected with them. The big question is... What will be the move away from those who have traditionally voted for Democrats? They were one one time, that is what Reagan called the Reagan Democrats, right? The whole notion of independence came about as a result of the post-Reagan era, when the party broke up, you know. There was a Ross Perot insurgency that defeated George Bush, the senior, and as the Americans moved forward during the Clinton years and the George Bush years, that's George Bush, a whole new brand of identifying in politics came about that was independent. So, if you you divide up the American electorate, it is divided up into three groups now. The Republican traditional GOP voters, the Democrat traditional Democratic voters, and in between is the independent. And the fight is for the independent vote. There's they're going to lot, decide the election.
4: There's going to be a lot of crossing the floor. I have a number of American friends who were Republican, and they're going to say that they can, under no circumstances, yeah. support Trump. They will actually vote exactly. for a Clinton rather than... That's what than, they say today. That's what they say today, but who that's knows, right. you know, in six months' time. but. And I'm sure that there are a number of Democrats that are attracted to Trump. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of floor cl- crossing, I believe. There will be a lot of well, floor crossing. Well, I
3: think crossing. there's going to be a lot of floor crossing by the people themselves, if you want to use that analogy. Like, even in that article you pointed out by Piers Morgan yeah. on the sexual issue and, and right, the women I mean. issue. Right. And he writes in his article, even fearsome Fox News star Megyn Kelly is made up with the man who attacked her mercilessly in public, right? That's right. If That's Trump true. can get <laughs> Ms. Kelly back on side after mocking her menstrual, cycle then surely he's got a good chance of persuading millions of others that he's not such a bad guy after all right right, and that speaks to the whole phenomenon i think and and how we're already seeing the tone change from the same people who could not for a second accept the idea of trump are now dealing with it one way or the other and now they've got to slot themselves in right right um do you, do you think more people will be attracted to Trump? Obviously, you do.
5: I I, I do. I mean, you know, now is that good I'm for in America. The, uh, pardon me. You, would that be good for America? I think it will be very good for America. I think it, it. I think my my gut feeling is that a Trump presidency will surprise everybody, especially the naysayers, afterwards. Uh, just as the Reagan presidency surprised everybody. Remember, I mean, and both of them, here it is ironic, you know, both of them are of the same age. When Reagan came to the presidency, he was touching 70.
3: Now, I'll tell you something, when I first heard Reagan speak, when he was running for the presidency, what happened after that did not surprise me. He followed through on what he said, and it made sense to me, and it made sense that it would come out with good results, as it did. However with Trump we don't have that, no, but we don't have that firmness of a position that Reagan has. Well no he right? does. I
5: mean he he has defined it in his speech if you read, I don't know whether mm-hmm. we have the time but in you know Forest right. po- foreign policy speech was was very precisely crafted and defined. The keynote of that speech is America first. That is America's mm-hmm. interest first that will be calculated. Then he said something which is to a person like me, you know, who reads history, it goes all the way back to Eisenhower. He says in his speech that we are going to have an administration where we will have people who recognize that our differences stop at the water's edge. Mm-hmm. That means at the water's edge, that is. There was no de- after that. There's no Democrats, no Republican. We are all Americans. Well, he
4: mm-hmm. did appoint Democrats to his uh, precisely. That's what that's what cabin. he reminds. It's so true within him, the Republican Party too. Party? No more divisions, and no, that's it, that's the thing he's exactly
5: facing who, now. Historically, what is being pointed out, those again, those who have a sense of history, back to Eisenhower, the division arose, and that's where I've been pointing to you. Division arose from the 1960s, the Vietnam War. So you're you're hopeful then,
4: perhaps that. Trump could uh, coalesce the, the Grand Old Party again
5: so that there's not so many Im- independents? The Grand Old Party was always one that coalesced around the leadership. You see, so when, he, again, an irony, uh, Reagan inherited the mantle of Barry Goldwater, who was went down in a landslide defeat in 1964 to Johnson. But Barry Goldwater did not vote for Reagan in 1980. Few people know that. He did not vote for Reagan in 1976. He did not vote for Reagan in 1980. He voted for the establishment in that time, which was Gerald Ford. You see, it is now the the Cruises and the Trumps who are now in their forties, who were in their diapers when 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 Reagan mm-hmm. was around, have made Reagan and deified him into an icon, Hmm. and it becomes Reaganomics. But when Reagan came and spoke about, you know, morning in America, supply-side economics, the establishment said, this is voodoo economics. That was George Bush, who was his vice president. Reagan could have dismissed George Bush because George Bush ran against him, right? What did Reagan do? He brought him in as his vice president. That's the definition of a grand old party. It brings people in. This is what the the cruisers did not understand.
3: It's like you keep saying. uh, I guess some people might think it's voodoo politics. But winning isn't everything you say. It's the only thing. And that's the main message to be taken away from any electoral process. Salim, thank you once again for joining us for this hour it's been engaging as always we'll have you back again in the future and that's it for today folks and we hope you'll join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction until then be right stay right act right do right think right and be right back here we'll see you then fade into color color into black and white under
5: the bedclothes everything will be you having a good time your chief point is me. Oh.
1: Folks, maybe you're here for some comedy, but guess what? You're wrong. <laughs> so we're going to talk about issues tonight. We're going to talk about stuff that matters. So I hope you can handle it. Here we go. <laughs> Topic number one. Abortion. How much do you love it? All right, <laughs> oh, hold on Hold on. That was a poorly phrased question, I apologize. Does not leave
2: you a whole lot of wiggle room. Let me rephrase it, here we go.
1: Abortion, is it dumb or awesome? Those are your choices. (laughs)
5: Write it down, I hope you brought pads. Write it down.